what a, what a thrill it is to worship Jesus, isn't it? And what a, what a thrill as a preacher to have your word preached through the songs, through the prophetic words, and through the contributions that we've had. God is a God of order. Jesus is our only hope. We are looking at this series. We're doing a series um, called Redeemed. It's based, oh dear, it's a long way down, long further up, by Mike Wilkerson, this book called uh, Redemption. Um, if anyone wants to borrow my copy, I've, I've, I'm now sort of done with it for the short term, so if you want to borrow my copy, please, please grab me. So we've had this fantastic series that we've been doing, and it reminds me of the book of James, the book of James chapter 1. And it says this in verse 22. It says, Do not be merely hearers of the word, but be do doers of the word. Be doers of the word. Shall we pray? Father, in a way, we just want to carry on worshipping you. Carry on admiring you. Steve said, Lord, we've only scratched the surface of who you are, your person, your person's. Father, we want to thank you for the word of God. It's a light to our feet, lamp to our path. Father, we just pray that you would take these frail words of this fallen man. And Lord Jesus, by your spirit, you would speak to us. Lord, we long to hear your voice. And we might want to risk acting on your voice. Amen. So James chapter 1, 22 says, Do not be merely hearers of the words, but uh, be, not, <laughs> be doers of the word, not merely hearers. Deceiving yourselves. That is actually the complete verse. Because the danger of this series, and, and it always gets me right here, the danger is we can have really inspiring teaching. Take Craig last week. If you're, listening, if, you didn't, if you're listening to the download of me speaking on your computer and you haven't heard Craig yet, turn me off and listen to last week because it was excellent. And it'll give context. If you listen to the seven that have gone before, it'll give context to what I'm saying today. But the danger is we hear so many, so many things and we think, oh, that's wonderful. So-and-so, my growth group, really needs to hear that. X, Y, Z in the church should really act on that. But I believe the Holy Spirit is highlighting things to my life, to your life. And the challenge is, will we change? Barry here, looking rather suave in his 1989 get-up this morning. <laughs> it's retro, yeah. He, Barry shared with us, he said this, Heaven's invitation to us is to cry out to God, to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Who went home and spent the afternoon crying out to God to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Who spent Monday or an hour or sat in the shop outside Morrison's for 10 minutes saying, Lord, fill me? I can't put my hands up. I have since. Julian, have you done it? Barry again challenged us to just know more about Jesus. He said, John chapter 6 is an excellent book. It talks about Jesus, the bread of life. Did we go home 
and devour. John chapter 6. Looking, Lord, tell me more about Jesus. Teach me more about Jesus. Or did we go home and watch the download of Match of the Day? Did we quickly jump to our Facebook page to see how we were getting on? Did I look for personal comfort? Now, I'm genuinely not trying to nag or bully, honestly. I'm simply trying to ask the honest question to myself, will we take God at his word? Will we take God at his word? Am I hungry for God? Am I hungry to be obedient to him? Am I going to be brave and act on, the, on, on what God has been sharing with us in this series? But be encouraged. The Bible tells us the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. There is grace to help in time of need. And today, in context of all that's gone before, we're going to be looking at this subject of our only hope. And as rightfully been said, our only hope is Jesus. He is our only hope. Only two headings this week. Not eight, beginning with P, you'll be glad to hear. Our first heading is, We Need God. The book of Exodus, we see the people of God are on a journey. Moses um, is leading God's people, and God's people are being taken from slavery into freedom. They had highs, they had lows, sometimes they were rejoicing, other times they grumbled. Now, does that remind you of anybody? No, 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 no. You see, uh, um, a bit scary, but I actually find life quite tough. I'm a glass, half-empty person. I tend to see the downside of things rather than the good side of things. That's just how I'm built. But I'm grateful for knowing Jesus. I'm grateful to be part of his family. I'm grateful I got food on the table. I'm grateful to be in reasonable Health, I'm grateful for work. Grateful, we are grateful for many things, aren't we? And yet still, and yet still, we get down. We lose hope. I've heard about that this morning already. We can seesaw in our obedience to God. Sometimes we're good, sometimes we're not so good. And yet we're clear. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We are clear that God sent his Son. We are clear that our sinful nature and disobedience to God has been dealt with on the cross. And yet I, we, we still struggle. As Craig so beautifully put it last week, so do listen to him again. But we sin, we repent, we sin, we repent. We promise to try harder. We promise, promise to be obedient next time. But even in our best efforts to follow Jesus, we can't steam to shake off the sin and the burden of guilt. Tim Keller says this. He said, There is a certain sense in which we spend our entire lives thinking we've reached the bottom of our hearts and finding it's a false bottom. Always wanted to stand at the front and say false bottom. <laughs> Isn't that right? We keep digging, then there's more. So we, we try. Now, I've got to, got to try and deal with this so let's do accountability that's a good thing so I say to Steve mate you know if you want to speak into my life or if I'm struggling I'll speak to you Steve has every right to look at my internet history um, 
And I haven't got a clue with computers, so he'd find anything if it was dodgy. <laughs> but he's got permission to do that. But even accountability is not a 24-7 safety net. It's not. In fact, we can duck and dive and start to become even a little bit more deceptive, trying to show that we're coping with sin and temptation. One day, we'll say, one day, I'll get sorted. When I've moved house, when I change job, when I get married, when I get better paid, one day, I will change. Don't worry, cheers up in a while, so don't worry. When I was about 27, I said to a good friend in our church, I said, when I'm 30, I'm going to lose weight. Hallelujah. Just before my 40th birthday, I said to her, before I'm 40, I'm going to lose weight. <laughs> that would be quite a good thing altogether. <laughs> no, no, no. And before my 50th birthday, although we weren't in contact, I thought, you know what, before my 50th birthday, I'm going to lose weight. But sometimes it's only when the doctor looks you in the eye and says, if you don't do this, this will happen, that we take action, and the action is at personal cost. With spiritual things, you see, I can play the game, but am I going to take action at personal cost? Just let that hang there for a minute. So we face this dilemma. We can't change ourselves. I can't put my faith in myself. But I know my only hope is in God. So we go back to Exodus 34. We get to the most important part, which is the word of God. Exodus 34. The context is, is that um, it's all been kicking off. We've heard about the idols. We've heard about Moses coming down the mountain seeing all this terrible thing going on with the idols, God tells him to come back up the mountain to meet him again. That's a very brief resume of an exciting story. So Exodus 34, just five into a little bit of seven, simply says this. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. This is what God said. The Lord... The Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Hallelujah. So here's Moses leading God's people. Moses had a very interesting upbringing. I think he was very confused about his upbringing. He'd had a tough upbringing. He was dumped and rejected, you could argue, as a baby. He was a murderer, yeah? He was a coward. He was a scaredy cat. He was someone who repeatedly argued with God, and yet here, God says to him, come up the mountain into my presence. Whew. Wow. But what does God do when Moses gets there? Does God say, ah, oh, Moses, right now you're here. We need to start dealing with some issues in your life. You're a murderer. You're a coward. You let people down. You argue. You rely on your older brother and you seem what a state he's in. No, God doesn't do that. God starts to unfold his name 
and his character. And friends, this is the core of what I want to say in such a thrill when David picked this up earlier. Everything we do is not based on our efforts and what it's just him, his character, his unchanging character. Firstly, God says, the Lord is merciful and compassionate. The Lord is merciful and compassionate. We are so privileged. We are so privileged despite sin, despite our rebellion against God, our very nature of sin. God sent his son Jesus to live, to die and rise again for us. That is a God of mercy and compassion. God is gracious. God is gracious. Despite my continual desire to draw away from him, despite my continual desire to run to things for comfort and solace, he is a God of grace. Like the father in the story of the prodigal son, God waits and he sees in the distance and he comes running to us. God is gracious. Here's a great one. Obviously, Jesus didn't drive much in Herne Bay because it says the Lord is slow to anger. <laughs> I mean, look how God provided for them. The children of Israel. What did they do? They moaned and groaned repeatedly, just like someone I know very, very well. They provoked God, and yet God was slow to anger. What else does it say? The Lord abounds in steadfast love. Many of us could give testimony to that. The Lord is faithful. Did you know God is dependable and he is trustworthy and he is credible? Our God is credible in an age when many aren't. Our God forgives, not only forgives, but forgives at great cost. You have you ever forgiven I look, have you ever forgiven anyone who's hurt you in the church and really done it properly? That costs. The Lord is just. And so we go on. When you go to growth group this week, I'd like you just to look at those, those characteristics of God. Just unpack them and just worship God. Let's get our eyes onto him. So God has shown and proved to Moses and the children of Israel his repentance his redemptive power by getting them out of Egypt, by getting them out of slavery. And here's the phrase which we've heard many times, but I'm going to say it again. After getting the people out of Egypt, it's now about getting Egypt out of the people. God got the people out of slavery, and now we've got to get slavery out of us. And that's been covered so competently by John and David a couple of weeks ago. So they are being led into the promised land by a God of solid, unchangeable character. It's the same for us. We're on a journey, our Christian walk, yep. We're, we're walking with God as best we can, but we cannot rely on our own efforts. We can't rely on our experience or even our own positive mental attitude to overcome the stuff that comes our way. We can only rely on the unchanging character of God. Children of Israel, they were stubborn, they were disobedient. They say, Lord, 
we'll follow you. And then they went the other way. In fact, one, one of the, is a freebie. One of the best jokes in the Bible is in the beginning of Joshua, when Joshua says, Moses, my servant, is dead. And the people go, as we followed and obeyed Moses, so we will follow and obey you. I mean, to me, that's quite funny. <laughs> Early in Exodus, you know, despite God's relentless demonstrations of faithfulness, the people continue to put their trust in idols. And it's such a danger for us. We continue to enjoy the faithfulness of God. And yet I can still want to put my faith in idols. If you don't quite understand what that means, please listen to some of the bits we've done in the previous few weeks. In that, God needs to do a mighty work. He needs to do a mighty work in our hearts by the power of his Holy Spirit. And it's based on his unchanging character and nature. Do you like to turn to Ezekiel? It's kind of in the middle of your Bible. The prophet Ezekiel and chapter 36. So we've got a people who've come out of slavery. They're on a journey. They want to go back to slavery. Moses has met with this unchanging God. And now we come to Ezekiel 36. We start from verse 25 through to verse 28, and it says this. I just want really trust the Holy Spirit will minister this to us now and over the coming days. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean from all your uncleanness and from your idols. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. Wow. Then it goes on to say, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Back in 1983, I know I bang on about it, Julia and I went to the Wales Bible Week. Incredible. We were both seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And on the penultimate night, um, Bryn Jones preached um, on people that had been abused. And that wasn't something that was talked about in the early 80s. It's, like, it's the big subject now, but it just wasn't talked about. It was around, but it wasn't talked about. And uh, it was sort of... Whew, it really got me, as it was something that I wasn't really aware of, but I realised that there'd been abuse in my life that seemed to carry, why I seemed to carry so much agony and sorrow and misery around with myself. There was a call for people to come to the front, when we used to do that sort of thing, and hundreds, there was only about 5,000 there, but hundreds went to the front, and uh, I wasn't one for going to the front, but I, I went to the front, or I tried to, but there were just hundreds and hundreds of people in front of me. Of course, the band's playing, you know, D minor, E minor, get emotional and hear God, you know. And uh, it was all wonderful. But then the worship leader said, just stop, band, stop. There are people here that need prayer. I want the band members to come down, join the, the, the praying, healing team, and come and pray for people. I now want to demonstrate what happened. 
Steve, if you would kindly plonk yourself by the children's table at the back there. Okay. If everyone in the middle row could stand up, please. This is good, isn't it? It'll be on the video, don't worry. And if you could just move to this, um, if you could just move and fill this corridor, please. That's it. Just, just fill that in there. That's lovely. I'm tempted to go that way now. So the drummer, the drummer, thank you, you're very kind. The drummer got off the drums and he came straight for me. So just, uh, sorry, excuse me, sorry. Can I just get around? Thank you. Sorry, excuse me. Bear with me. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you. Sorry, excuse me. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I, know you. I know you need prayer. That's all right. Mine. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And he came up to me. He put his hand straight there. And he said, Father, take away this man's heart of stone and give him a heart of flesh. Thanks, Steve. And that, thank you so much. Now, if it was family zone, you'll get a sweep for moving. <laughs> we do that again when we're 5,000. Amen. But that was, and that was something that was said earlier. I think it was something that Barry shared earlier. Was it about God wanting to just come through, pick us up, come our heart, was it? Just trying to pick it up. And then Barb was speaking about surrender as well, which is very precious. But I was so touched because someone made the effort to push through everyone that was there to come to me, and they put the finger on the real issue which was my heart was so hardened through all the stuff that had happened. And I contributed to that as well. It wasn't I'm just the victim, it's not that as well. I played my part. And today, I believe the Lord, that picture, I want you to think of you at the back, like Steve was. And I want you to think of a good God, a good Father, one who is kind, full of passion, compassionate, merciful, gentle, coming through everything to you. And putting his hand on your heart and say, I will give you a heart of flesh to replace that heart of stone. The following morning, I was filled with the Holy Spirit and had the most unspeakable following 24 hours of my life. All hell broke loose two days later. <laughs> but that 24 hours was indescribable. And I long for more of God. I long for more of him. So we can try and do it our way. We can try and do it the world's way. Onto my soapbox. We can go onto Facebook and look at all these clever little phrases and thoughts for the day, hoping that that will give us some kind of solace. It won't. The only thing that will give us solace and direction is the word of God. This living, active sword that cuts between soul and marrow Joint. I've come out in there. Joint and uh, cuts between. It's not in my notes. But the word of God cuts right in to our very being. Jesus Christ is the source. David started by saying, We worship a triune God. I thought, What's that? I'll tell you what it is. It is God three in one God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One, yet three, yet one. 
This is the God that we worship, the God of the Bible. Would you like to turn to Titus? It's very near the back of your Bible. It's just before Hebrews. Titus chapter 3. This is a very encouraging scripture. This is something that you can meditate on, sit and have a read with a cup of tea, just enjoy it. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 to 7. Sums it up so well. It says this, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us. Quick hallelujah. He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly, richly, through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Hallelujah. A God who pours out his Holy Spirit on us richly. Second heading, and it's shorter. Number two, can we dig too deep? It's an interesting one. Now, believe it or not, I'm quite a deep thinker. Okay. I know I'm pretty thick, but I'm quite a deep thinker. And, and I kind of overanalyze things quite a lot. I look for hidden meanings and what people do, what people say, how they act. Do they like me? Have I upset them? What have I done wrong? Um, it is one of my classic weaknesses. Um, also, I can look inside myself and go, well, the reason for this is because I was hurt or because I was wronged. And there is a place, there is, there is a rightful place, I believe, for reflecting on the past where things have gone wrong. We can seek prayer, forgiveness, healing, counsel. And those are all good things and all things which um, I partake of. When I was about seven, eight years old, I was locked in the shed. Oh, oh okay then, fine. I'm all hurt now. <laughs> I was locked in the shed. For, I think it was only about just under two hours. felt like a long time. And the children that did it were kind of outside, and every now and again they'd come to the shed and sort of wave through the thing and shout at me and so forth. And then when I was 11, um, in the school gymnasium, do you remember those great big grey, uh, green mats, which had that grey bit on the back that you could pick, pick at? I was, I was basically rolled up in one of those by some bullies. So for, on occasions, I suffer from claustrophobia. Okay, it's not easy. You feel hemmed in. It's panicky. It's it's absolutely horrible. Now I've sought prayer for healing, and to a measure, we've had success. I still get on planes and stuff like that without any problem. But I prefer not to be in the back of a minibus. I don't like going on coaches. That kind of thing. Just feel I need to breathe. Now here's the point. I cannot blame all the problems of my life on that bad experience. Now I've thought about this, so bear with me before you jump up and nobble me. You see, I believe it's unhealthy to continually return to a bad experience 
and for me to use that as an excuse for poor behavior, a touchy personality, or a lack of growth. And I'm really not trying to be insensitive, but I can't let, I can't stop my life 20, 30, 40 years ago when th those things happened. The danger is for me, and I've, and I've seen it in others, that, that, that we can use those disasters as a security blanket to run back to, where people can't get close to us. We daren't because they think we'll be, we'll be accused of being insensitive. But here's the thing, our only hope and our only future is God. Why those things happened, I really don't know. But what I do know is God is faithful. He is compassionate. He is slow to anger. He is unchanging. He is a good God. Just also notice this. We've, we've looked a number of times at Jeremiah chapter 29. I know the plans I have for you, plans for, and all that stuff. But we've seen the context three or four verses before about settle in the land of your captivity where I put you. Work, marry, get stuck in. God spoke about a future and it was prophesied in a place of captivity and a place of disappointment. It's in our place of need that God speaks to us. But it's in my place of need where I've got my most walls and protection mechanisms up because if I go free, I don't have that security anymore. A bit hard to explain, but I just hope there's something of God in that. You see, excessive self-analysis, I believe, will paralyze faith. It'll paralyze faith. Well, we prayed for them before, and we buried them. We prayed and we buried them. Well, let's pray again. God is good. God is unchanging. I can peel the onions of my hurts inside so many times, and they will just keep coming. I don't like talking about the enemy, but he will, he will make sure that when everything's fine, I'll then suddenly get that, oh, but Steve gave me a funny look afterwards and perhaps he's really angry with me and oh my goodness, it's all gone, oh no, don't show myself at church ever again. Is it only me? I don't think so. So things happened. I've listed things about me here, but I'm not going to go that now. Ultimately, our security is not in the hurts of the past, the crosses we bear, our security comes in our unchanging God. We are chosen, we are loved by God. He is our security. And maybe the Lord has been whispering to me over the last six, nine months, maybe he's starting to whisper to you, stop digging, I love you, I have redeemed you from these cursed things. Yes, grieve for losses in your life, yes do, and we've had those. It's good to do that, but also let's grasp the truth that God is faithful, he is compassionate, he is gracious, he is slow to anger, he is abounding in loving kindness. Let's return to what the word of God says, rather return to Julian, to what his up and down emotions say. Steve, do you wanna come and join us? As I was putting this together, I just sensed I had a prophetic word. 
and it was this. Lay down what you cling to, which is not of me. I want to reignite the fire of faith within you. I want to anoint you with fresh oil. Let go of the past and cling onto me. Ditch that drag anchor of disappointment as I desire to reappoint and to recommission you today. It was at the darkest moments the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt. They came towards the Red Sea. They had no way forward and death in front. They had no way back and death behind. And in that place of complete darkness, there was a God who parted the Red Sea. A God who parted the Red Sea. Brothers and sisters, I believe we need to have our faith refreshed in this unchanging God. What was it you, we used to sing? A God of faithfulness. A God of faithfulness. An unchanging God. In Exodus 34, we were looking at earlier. Very simply says this, and I quite like simple, because that's what I feel I am really. It's in Exodus 34, verse 2. God said to Moses, Be ready by the morning and come up in the morning and present yourself to me. Verse 4. Moses rose early in the morning and went up as the Lord had commanded him. I think it's as simple as that to take God as his word because I believe he says, Come, come to me. So let's. Would you like to stand, please? When Moses had been in the wilderness, he saw a burning bush. The bush wasn't consumed. The presence of God spoke to him. Moses' response wasn't, Yes, we can do this thing. His response was, what, no, and disbelief. And yet God did not consume him. And this same Moses, this murderer, this, this, this guy who was so nervous, probably a stammerer as well. A few chapters later, he says to God, the very presence, Lord, let me see your glory. From here to here. Let's just pray, shall we?